welcome back to But Where Are You From? I'm Viv Yao and I'm your host for this week's podcast episode. But it's not just me today. I'm joined by not one, not two, not three, not four, but five hosts because we have Be Seen, the entire crew of Be Seen on the podcast. What was that? Oh, God. I thought other people were going to join in. Carly's just eating right now. Carly's eating, so she's just um, silently cheering on. Charlie's got a cup of tea. He's waiting patiently. Amy and Mayan being loud, as usual. I'm not doing nothing. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Please introduce yourselves. Very quick. We'll do a quick 10 seconds introduce yourself charlie then pass it on to someone else charlie go oh gosh hi i'm charlie i am one six of bc mayan go <laughs> i am mayan i'm another sixth of bc i'm from london but i live in senegal and today i'm wearing my favorite feminist t-shirt amy go it says say baby it got books i just said it babe. Oh, thank you sorry it's sorry gonna yeah. be seamless it's oh, gonna shit, be sorry. so seamless oh my sorry. gosh fucked it up <laughs> you fucked it up babe. Sorry. <laughs> carry on carry this on this is a grown-up podcast now all right rewind <laughs> rewind uh i am amy i am yet another sick of be seen um i'm a graphic does i stop laughing i put me off my hand um, I'm a graphic designer illustrator <laughs> and uh, yeah whatever okay Izzy I'm Izzy I'm another sixth of be seen I am a teacher and based in London right now uh, I'm over to Carly I'm Carly and I'm Scottish <laughs> no I'm kidding I'm one sixth of be seen and I'm an artist and I'm also hacker granny oh yes 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 but you are Carly Wu today is that right what do you mean also yes. Hacker Granny? Oh, sorry. Not... I mean, I'm Hacker Granny's relative, I should say. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Ooh. Is Hacker Granny just uh, watching TV at the moment? Yeah, she's binging on her favourite K-drama at the moment. <laughs> I love that. I feel like you've got your M&S voice on, Carly. <laughs> well, I'm having my M&S equivalent dinner. So Ooh. this is what happens when I eat and this voice comes out. Mm, it's not like just it. dinner. It's M&S dinner. <laughs> This isn't just any podcast. This is a Be Seen podcast. This is a Be Seen podcast. That was brilliant. That was brilliant. Like we've been thinking about this for a while now, haven't we? About transitioning over. We feel like, you know, the podcast is like a baby. It was my baby. But the baby's now growing into a toddler. We're maturing. And so because of that, we need to bring in more mature voices. We can't just have me. And it feels very, very like a natural evolution, I think, because each of you have been on the podcast, some of you a couple of times, um, and we just need to bring in more perspective and more knowledge. Coffee, that's so disgusting. Well, soon it's going to be, it'll go from toddler to raggy teenager, and that's why Mm. we need Amy for the cheap laughs. What? (laughs) The immature (laughs) jokes. I'm not the only one, surely. If you get the joke, you are also part of the base humour community. If you understand it, you're also yeah. my people. I think we you're, all you're know that you can always rely on Amy to lower the tone. Bibs usually mm-hmm. with her there, 
as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way, Amy. I just find the tone is too high sometimes, and that just doesn't that just doesn't suit me. So I just need to bring it down. I think. I like it. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. Why not? Why not? Um. So I haven't planned this episode. I mean, it was your idea, guys. So you take it away. We were basically we were talking about on WhatsApp how we have such incredible conversations that deserve to be heard. Um, because a lot of what we talk about um, spans from identity to politics to what we're having for dinner, all sorts of stuff. Um, and today we wanted to talk about ethnicity. Are we proud of our ethnicity? Carly, stop laughing or otherwise I'll kick you out. Okay. Uh, Is this how the whole thing's going to go? <laughs> Probably. I'll stop. I'll, I'll turn my camera off if I must. No. I just remembered no. something in our chat, so... it's the bit where i got spat on by that man in inverness what (laughs) that's not funny oh no that was not funny that was not was not funny funny. no i wasn't laughing at that i was thinking of another occasion Uh, oh i was thinking i was thinking of the time when i did the impression of that man who came up to me and went you english and then when i said yes and he spat on me oh my gosh very distressing Imagine if you hadn't said that you were English. Well, he probably would have believed me, to be honest. Yeah. What a prick. What a prick. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we talk about, you know, sometimes we talk about stuff like blue bums and flat versus round bottom walks, but sometimes the the topics get really serious. <laughs> they do. They do. And we're going to today talk about ethnicity. How did this start in the WhatsApp chat? Who prompted this was it you my aunt yeah I think it was me um well I think to be honest I think this is a conversation that we've been wanting to have for a while and we've had a lot of different variations of this conversation and I just think that it's probably only now that we've really developed the language and the confidence and we've unpacked it enough to properly talk about it because I remember we had a really early conversation about this right at the beginning of when Scene was founded and um We talked a lot about how typically a lot of the time the the communities of colour in the UK often look to the US as their kind of benchmark for unpacking identity because identity politics looks really different in the US to how it does in the UK. Um, And I think while the US has set a lot of bars that are really um, that have allowed us to develop language and think about identity. And there are some amazing thinkers and writers coming out of, of the U S the, the nuance isn't quite um, there for the UK because of the situations being different because of the history of um, our, you know, immigration, um, migrant populations, colonialism, um, our sort of geopolitical status, eco- economy, all that kind of stuff, very, very different. And I think that um, part of the reason why we talk about race relations so much in the US, and I'm by no means an expert on this, so anybody else, please feel free to jump in. Um, African-Americans have more of a a shared kind of community around race relations because of course we have to remember that a lot of african-americans actually don't know their ethnicity because um you know their families were stolen and uh they they can't they can't really trace their history back as far as um some 
white Americans can, for example. And so I think race is maybe much more widely discussed as an identity in the US than it is in, in the UK. And I think that we focus quite a lot on ethnicity. Liz Pemberton's uh, webinar the other day for the Black Nursery Manager, she talked a lot about this idea that race is a construct. And I think that really vibed with me. So I just kind of wanted to throw it out to the BC team to talk about, you know, do we think of ourselves as racially, um, you know, having racial identities, or are we thinking more about unpacking our ethnicity and our ethnic identities? And then that led into a whole conversation about being proud of where you're from. And so that's kind of how the conversation started. Does anyone want to unpack very simply, what are the two terms? Like, What are the nuances between race and identity? Because I think I still don't have an understanding of that in terms of like the two, in terms of like how we talk about race and how we talk about ethnicity, sorry, not identity. And how is that different? Yeah, I think I might jump in here, perhaps. Um, I think certainly this subject was one of the earliest topics that I felt really safe with, you know, the the five of you um, in discussing this, because I often have this it's really probably a difficult relationship in that perhaps I hadn't developed the language or knowledge until now to really unpack that. And I think very often here in the UK, many people tend to refer to race when actually they mean ethnicity. And because I I also quite firmly agree that race is a social construct. So there's not when people really talk about their ethnic identity, they accidentally use the word race, which isn't quite the same thing. And I think it's important to specify because I think for many individuals, their ethnicity and their heritage from that may inform their identity rather than their quote unquote race. So I, I don't think there is, for example, a you know unanimous Asian race I don't really think that is a thing whereas as Mayan said earlier because of the history of black Americans and how a lot of their heritage has been erased essentially that's why there is this um this stronger you know identity of of a of a black um community and race whereas in the UK those identities seem to be more specific. So that's why I think it's very important that we distinguish what we really mean when we talk about identities and racial discourse is that we should specify um, ethnic identity rather than lumping everyone in. Because I think that contributes again to erasure of many underrepresented um, groups. We have to remember that race is a concept that was invented by people and was invented to divide up groups of people and we cannot think about race without also considering things like colonialism and like Carly said it's just not particularly helpful to think about Asian as a race because we all know from our lived experience that there's so many differences that impact um, people from different Asian communities and the same would go for Caribbean Black people and Black people from West Africa, for example, very, very, very different socio-cultural impacts that completely change the the way that those different people experience their everyday lives. Race is also so heavily rooted in the science of, or the so-called science of eugenics, that that was, you know, described and became popular at a time when under, under the guise of colonialism and imperialism, 
you know, Britain especially setting out to discover, quote unquote, discover and, and, and find new places. And that's why we have racial identities rather than, I think, more of a focus on discussing ethnicities and the uniqueness of, of the cultures that come with that. Definitely. And you look at how race has been historically used to divide people and drive groups against each other or drive wedges in between groups like, you know, huge driving factor behind apartheid in South Africa, which is a really, really, really recent thing that only came to end during our lifetimes. Thank you for that, because you both have been very, very informative in our whatsapp chats because i have certainly described myself as asian in the past in fact sometimes i, I think i still do in fact I, I think i still homogenize myself by calling myself asian and what exactly does that mean which which part of asia am i talking about and is that wrong to do that is that wrong to say oh i'm asian um obviously there's no right or wrong good or bad um we're speaking in binary terms here but like for people I think listening a lot of people will still identify as Asian in some way and people might even still identify and I know I certainly have in the past and I hear friends saying that as oriental if you're thinking about Chinese people as well and then there's all these other terms in terms of how we label ourselves and like this I feel like there's so much pressure to get it right I'm always like hesitant to say the wrong thing and be like oh shit I mean I mean, um, ethnicity, not not race. And it's super, super confusing. And I think it's something that we're trying to navigate as well as trying to discover who we are as British EC, whatever we want to call ourselves. And it's really super confusing. I don't know whether anyone else feels like that as well. I, I would sometimes still refer to myself as Asian, but I think it's more in the sense of trying to not reclaim it off someone else but often in the UK if you say Asian you actually mean South Asian and there's been numerous times in my life where people have said something derogatory about South Asians and then I'm like excuse me I'm Asian and then they're like no not your kind of Asian and I'm like that I don't I don't want to hear that I'm Asian you know so don't don't you know um discredit that and you know if you're slating Asians whether you mean South Asians which you know you shouldn't be slating anyone anyway but you know even if you just mean South Asians you're not using you, you know you're using incorrect terminology you kind of like you say homogenizing an, an entire continent and these yeah. microaggressions hurt us even if you don't mean to well they're not even microaggressions it's just racism because racism hurts you know all Asians even not just the Asians you actually mean to hurt. Yeah, so. exactly. At least be specific about your racial slur. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I made it very clear then <laughs> no, that I'm I'm not condoning <laughs> any of this racism. Please, Charlie, inciting racism just left, right, and centre. Oh, uh, this is like, why I don't do podcasts. Ethnicity, right? <laughs> if you're going to call me a racial slur, yeah. I've I have had it numerous times though where people have said oh I don't mean your kind of Asian or that kind of thing and I think that's what I'm kind of getting at I want to reclaim that because I am Asian I'm very proud to be Asian um I'm also Chinese I'm also my family come from Brunei you know there's lots of different ways that I can identify and they're all correct and there's kind of no right or wrong way um that you can identify yourself and identity is really fluid. I think that's a really good point, Charlie. Um, and to come back to Viv's point about whether or not we should be saying Asian, I think sometimes it is appropriate to say Asian. And also sometimes there are there are shared experiences between the South Asian populations in the UK and the East and Southeast Asian populations in the UK. There may be 
um, you know, some similarity of experience there that that mean that we do actually share um, nuance, certain nuances. And sometimes when we use the word Asian as well, it's kind of in the interest of garnering a greater range of understanding because the term ESEA or EC is really quite new in the lexicology of, that's not a word, lexicon okay. we'll <laughs> of the it. UK. We'll take it. yeah, um, I believed it. It's very, very new in, in, in UK discourse around ethnicity. And um, it's only really been in the last few months that people are really using it. And if you say Asian in the US, people tend to think of East and Southeast Asians. And that tends to contribute to erasure of South Asians or Central Asians or West Asians in the US. Um, in the UK, like we've discussed, it often means South Asian and people say things like, oh, I don't mean your kind of Asian, as Charlie said. And um, I've had conversations recently with people from France, for example. Um, you know, the word is used very differently and the more that the world becomes a globalized society, the more I do think we need to be thinking about terms that are kind of accessible across the board and how we make connections. And maybe that's a good point to throw over to Izzy because you grew up in France up until a, a certain age. And I'm just wondering if you noticed differences between the way that the, I mean, obviously you were quite young, but the way that we talk about Asians in France versus in the UK. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think I was used to using Asian to mean EC people growing up, um, because in France, there's the word Asiatique, um, which in my experience, I'm not sure if it's the same for you, my end, but um, I felt like it was used more for EC. Um, and then I also lived in America, in California, where there's a huge um, RP, which is Asian American Pacific Islander community. Um, so I'm, I, I was friends with a lot of Asian American people there. Um, so I'm, I think Asian is um, like a common word in my lexicon um, to me and EC people. And um, like even when I'm talking about um, EC issues on Instagram, for example, I still sometimes use Asian because I know like a lot of my friends uh, in America are reading them and may not, um, may not know the word EC. Yeah. yeah it's very new it's so new and I think this is something that I remember us having a whatsapp conversation about this term because we were wondering what to call <laughs> east and southeast Asians and then we were googling what has anyone ever heard of the term EC before has it been used and then it was only when we started using it and then someone else cited it back to us as we were one of the first to coin this term and then we were like shit actually did it did it not exist before this term EC people at all and what what were we calling ourselves beforehand it's Are wild to think if that. we invented it <laughs> I'm wondering I'm wondering Maybe did we, we did no it? I don't know if we did I'm know. pretty I'm sure we wondering. are a we are an OG advocate though yeah and I think we have mm. to be with what we're finding recently as well is that when using the term EC to be intentional about it because haven't we come across so many situations where it said Chinese and Southeast Asian or it says East and Southeast Asian but a lot of the time it doesn't represent have I mean have equal representation of Southeast people as well as East and so I think um, what we're finding is yet again sometimes history repeating itself because they're again still over representing East Asia over Southeast Asia 
when our intention is to highlight all voices um, across that community so it's I've, I've been finding it quite interesting how although we use this term we're still falling into the same traps of talking too much about one community over another yeah my aunt would you want to talk about that at all about how you felt when you've seen complete erasure of southeast asian representation within the ec um space yeah it's definitely something that i have shouted about in the past um and i think when i get frustrated at seeing um this very new phenomenon it it, it it's a bit of a double-edged sword because on the one hand I'm really happy that I'm just I'm doing quote air quotes EC issues and EC visibility is being brought to the fore but on the other hand there's always that kind of slight sink in my stomach when I see oh actually it's all people of Chinese ethnicity or you know mostly East Asians and there's very little representation for Southeast Asians and I think that that's where we need to be really specific because I genuinely believe that our movement and our cause to bring ourselves to the forefront and to make our community which has so many shared experiences even though our ethnicities are all very very different and our communities experience life in different ways we can't bring them all to the forefront if we're going to leave people behind um, that it's just not how it works and I think that like Amy said, we can't make the same mistakes that we've seen happening in history before. And I think that something like the Atlanta shootings is a really good example of that, not necessarily for East and Southeast Asians, but thinking about those intersections of different statuses or different positions in society that people occupy because of um, their situation. For example, people with migrant status are in a completely different set of circumstances to um, a privileged EC person who has kind of been born and raised and, and brought up in that country. Maybe they have a passport, they have the right to work, etc. They don't face the same kind of vulnerabilities. Um, similarly, we can't we can't look at um, well. First of all, we can't look at Chinese. British-born Chinese experience um, and apply it to all Chinese people. There are probably, you know, there are Chinese people who are migrants in the UK who don't have, um, you know, British citizenship. Their experience is going to be very different. And um, similarly, within that East Asian category, there's a lot of kind of historical um, differences, but nuanced and differences in the way that people have been treated within those I don't want to call them categories, but um, within those sort of regional, um, um, sorry, geographical monikers that are really, really different. And so I think we can't all advance unless we're all doing it together, essentially. And it's frustrating because you really want to be like, go team, but then you end up sometimes feeling like a, a minority within a minority. And I'm not even especially, especially marginalized within my community. So I can only imagine how it feels for people who are even more marginalized than me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think like we have been really trying to call it in when we've seen other EC groups, um, talk about activism and, and share work of other EC activists and we notice it's just all Chinese 
um and there's there's no even yeah there's no other east asians at all never mind southeast asians i think as well it's important to note that especially in the uk context we by east and southeast asians we haven't seen really as much movement as now because of the coronavirus pandemic that has pulled our east and southeast asian community together in comparison to for example the asian american and pacific islander community across the the waters that have always sort of um you know galvanized whereas now because we're seeing that actually issues that east asians are facing are also being paralleled over by the southeast asians and because we're at the beginning of this it's even more important that we are able to to really push for you know an equal amount of representation or elevating other individuals of a, a different i'm sorry <laughs> I've just seen Viv stuff like corn into her mouth. I need I'm to so not look sorry. at the screen whilst I'm, <laughs> I've lost eating, my point. But... I was eating my corn. <laughs> just pulled out, whipped out this massive yellow corn on the cob. It's probably it's so bigger than the microphone she's holding. Um, no euphemism intended, <laughs> but I'll, I'll just finish off because I've forgotten what I was meaning to say. But You were saying... making a really good point. I was listening with my corn on the cob. <laughs> essentially you know we're so early in our east and southeast asian journey i suppose um that yeah we, we certainly need to take advantage of of being aware of being mindful of of who occupies uh, the platforms at the moment and and to push for um yeah those who are who are less visible within the wider east and southeast asian community i mean if we look at the civil report if i can bring that up briefly the one time it even mentioned Southeast Asians, it included Chinese and Japanese, which just goes to show how there's even within the people who are supposed to be experts in this area, they have no idea. And um, I was also recently watching a panel um, of people speaking about this very report. And um, I mentioned that, you know, it's a shame there wasn't much East or Southeast Asian representation on this panel and then someone replied to me so I wrote that in the chat and someone replied to me oh one of the people are Southeast Asian and it wasn't the lady talking is South Asian and I was like no that's incorrect so there's even within you know this country not much knowledge of what Southeast Asia perhaps even East Asia even includes. Yeah. And the fact that the Metropolitan Police in London are still using really outdated categories like Oriental um, in their reporting, just it speaks volumes to say how far we have to go um, before we can really have a proper discourse on this kind of um, on this kind of issue in the UK. But to bring this back to the practical and to what people can actually do, I think it's important to remember all those conversations that were happening back last summer around marginalization, around racism, around unlearning, around educating ourselves. And there was all this talk about having to accept really uncomfortable things and decenter yourself. And I think that this is an example of where we can really see that that needs to be put into practice. And that might look something like, for example, if you are invited to speak on a panel or perhaps you're invited to um, be part of a podcast that's, you know, celebrating EC achievements or something and it's kind of marketed as an EC thing, there's your opportunity to ask, 
who else is going to be involved? Um, you know, what, who are the other panelists? Who are the other guests? And if, you know, if it comes back to you that everybody on the panel is, is, is you know, a, a cishet Chinese person, then maybe that's the time to say, hmm, I would be more comfortable if you could include representation across other groups. I'm willing to give up my spot. And, you know, sometimes you might have to miss out and it might be a case of just stepping back and saying, I think that you should give my place to somebody else. And that's how we we move forward with things. Um, that's really how, because not only are you opening up a spot for another person, but you're also making the person who's organizing the event or who's setting up that panel or whatever it is, have a, a think about their practices, whether it's their you know, their event management practices, or perhaps it's the, you know, hiring, maybe they run a company also, and that's the kind of thing that they need to be thinking about. And it's really the case of bridging that theoretical from all those discussions that we were having last year about how to be um, a good ally, because we can be allies to each other within our own community, how to be a good ally, and then actually doing it, and remembering that it's not just a thing that you do once to get a badge, it's something that you are constantly doing. And the final thing, I guess, would be not being afraid to make mistakes because we're all learning. And I guarantee every single one of us on this call today has messed up and said a thing that actually was incorrect. Or maybe they've, um, you know, they've contributed to a conversation that did erase somebody else's experience or they didn't validate somebody else's experience. And I think this is, again, putting into practice all those conversations that we had about being uncomfortable, about messing up and about apologizing and having the grace to um decenter yourself and just commit to doing better next time yeah I totally agree I mean that specific situation of like being on an easy podcast I that I did that and then it wasn't until you mentioned it in the group Mayan that you were like there was no Southeast Asians I was like of course oh my gosh like we all have our blind spots and we are all, all going to make mistakes and I think like for us all to be able to call it in in a very kind way to one another is the only way that we can actually do better and improve and like drop your ego. And I think people as well, especially white friends and white, white people tend to think that because we are people of color, because we are EC or, um, you know, um, that we know everything as well, that we're not going to get it wrong. We, we won't say problematic or racist things. And actually that's so not the case. Like I, I cringe when I think back on all the times when I've said, and I probably still will say in the future, problematic things but then at least we're aware of it now and at least we know that we can we can change that behavior and we can actually yeah just be cognizant of the fact that we are just humans that are going to fuck up every now and then and that's also okay too and that shouldn't stop us from saying anything at all and I think I've certainly struggled with that like um on social media I think I go through bouts of like being on it a lot talking a lot about um EC representation and then being like oh shit I shouldn't be the one to talk about it because I've said shit before that's problematic and then I just shut down but then that's not right because that doesn't allow any room for nuance and growth and mistakes and just being a fucking person just living and growing I don't know whether anyone else feels like that at all nope <laughs> just you <laughs> you're the only one who does that you're the really only think. problematic one Viv <laughs> in this entire group it's you not us <laughs> I was actually um I had a question though because um I was thinking what do you guys think about the phrase that some people use which is um 
for example, I am racialized as white or I'm racialized as um, black or racialized in such and such a way because um, I was watching something on TikTok, which is where I get all my social commentary and knowledge from. Me too. <laughs> I know, right? So useful. But uh, someone who was mixed ethn- ethnicity black and white but was white passing was exposing the things that people said in his presence that was did you see that so was um racist and because he's white passing people felt comfortable saying problematic things to him and um, it really exposed I think the failings of that racial construct because it makes you realize what you see isn't always what you think it is. So going back to my original question, what do you feel about the term um, when someone says I am racialized as so-and-so? I think a lot about being racialized is the, well, like you said it yourself, the judgment that other people are placing on you. And I think we can see this really clearly among our community with COVID racism because people racialize anybody who looks remotely East or Southeast Asian um, or even Central Asian, as has been brought to my attention recently, um, they racialize them as Chinese. Um, And because we have an increasingly xenophobic society, that just means that people from all different ethnicities remotely connected to um, different Asian geographic regions experience racism and so the onus there is really on the people who were putting you in that box so I think it's quite a helpful term to think about stuff like that. I think the term itself racialized makes a lot of sense in this context because of that assumption and that power dynamic in race you know race theory came out of the idea of wanting to not only categorize but also subjugate and elevate more superior as it was um ethnic backgrounds so i think in this in this case it makes a lot of sense to talk about being racialized but it doesn't for me anyway personally it doesn't really make sense to say i am of of you know an asian race in this context because we're we're discussing this as six east and southeast asian women but I, i agree with mayan in that particularly with this um, increased uh, harassment and, and abuse towards ECs um, as a result of xenophobic rhetoric surrounding coronavirus. By saying someone is racialized of a certain ethnicity, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. So I think the term has, has been useful and, and I'm sure as well for, for individuals who may be of mixed ethnicity who are in those um, experiences or occasions where um, they have been racialized as white because they are white passing and therefore have been susceptible to certain incidences or privy to uh, certain environments. Um, I think, yeah, this essentially, yes, I agree. Another thing that we've talked about quite a lot recently that I wanted to bring up on the potty connected to ethnicity and identity and identity is something that we've all been unpacking quite a lot recently, is this concept of pride and being proud of your background or proud of where you come from or proud of your heritage um, and what that really means. And I think, yeah, so I'd like to ask 
in a really, really vague way, I'd like to ask, are you proud of where you're from? Viv, let's start with you. Oh, for fuck's sake. I, I kind of feel like when you asked, when you asked that question, when you think about that question, I've never thought about it. And so it's really difficult to really come to any form of like conclusion on whether I'm proud of where I'm from, because then it's like, well, let me think about where I'm from. I'm from Warrington, mm-hmm. but do I identify with being <laughs> Warringtonian? Not particularly unless we're talking unless I'm speaking to someone who's white and they're like where are you from Warrington oh you sound northern you're great or when you go down south for example and they're like your accent's not from here where are you from um but but when I think about like where I'm from I I think I don't know I guess it goes back to probably I think about my ethnicity and my heritage and my family and I'm proud I very much I'm proud of being Chinese and so I definitely would say, yeah, categorically, yes. Would I say I'm proud of being from Warrington? No, because I don't really identify with that place as, um, you know, it was obviously my family are there and I grew up there and I have affinity to it, but I don't really care for it. I don't root for it in any way, um, which mm. sounds awful. But then I think um, we were talking about like um, cities and where we're from. So I live in Manchester at the moment and I'm really proud to be a Mancunian. Um I just love the city. I I love the lifestyle that it it provides for me. My, my work is here. My social life is here. I'm very proud to be a Mancunian. And I think that's where, that's how I in recent years have started to identify more so is being a Mancunian. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but it's a really tough question because it's like, well, yeah, but are you, where you, how do you have pride in where you're from? What does it mean? Do you feel proud to be, do you feel proud to be, English or British do you consider yourself English I think after that David Lammy interview there was a whole you know that's a whole Mm. other thing that we have to unpack because people were saying to him you're not English I used to get really confused by that and I still do like I say I'm British but I have never once said I am English although I would say I speak English it's really confusing because I would say I'm Chinese, British Chinese. But is that the same? I don't think. I don't think that because I. I don't think, and I think that the government would agree with me, Charlie. According to that really useful website you sent out the other day about ethnicity and how we talk about you know different ethnicity categories, I don't think that English is a race. Mm. Um, it's white. I, British, I think you you can be yeah. It's white British mm. um, because you you the woman in particular for anybody who hasn't seen it we're talking about an interview um well David Lammy the um a Tottenham Labour MP was on LBC and a caller had a real she really laid into him saying you will never be English you can you're you're African Caribbean you will never be English even though he was born in England raised in England you know his whole identity is 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 shaped by his Englishness And um, a lot of people were weighing in on the conversation because when she was saying, I'm a proud Anglo-Saxon, it just brings in so many different nuances because Anglo-Saxons aren't English. Anglo-Saxons are a mix of, you know, various different Germanic and and European um, ethnicities. So the way I see it anyway is that English is not an ethnic identity. So David Lammy can be English. You can be English. Um, You don't have to be English if you don't want to, but I know a lot of people of colour who don't identify as English or Scottish or whatever. Well, I'm, uh, my mum's English, my dad is 
um, Chinese, but his family live in Brunei. Well, my family lives in Brunei. But I, very interestingly, would never, ever necessarily identify as English. I would say I'm from England if someone asked where I was from. But I would always, you know, if someone asked me kind of my ethnicity, I'd generally just say Chinese, even though I'm, I'm mixed ethnicity, because I don't necessarily identify with the white British race. I'm using um, quotation marks, even though that is what they call the race. But I'd, I don't necessarily identify with that side of me a lot in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of my kind of culture, the kind of things I do, the way I live my life is very rooted in my Chinese culture. So I would generally identify as Chinese and would tell people I'm Chinese. I wouldn't caveat it with being I'm Chinese, but I'm also half English. If someone asked me where I'm from, of course, I'd say England because I've only ever lived in China for a few months. Um, but in general, I would identify as Chinese. I don't even think I'd say British-born Chinese. I think I'd just go the whole hog and be like, no, I'm Chinese. I always say I'm English. Do you? Yeah. I've never said it once. I find yeah, it I, I find it it's just for white people. I live abroad though, so I have to answer mm. that question quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. And I feel like when I lived in Spain, you know, people would ask me where I was from and I'd be like, I'm from England because you know, I can't be like, I'm Chinese, because then they'd be like, You live you live in China? And obviously I didn't live in China. Um so I think in that situation I can understand um the reasonings and you know why you would have to more frequently say you were English or identify as English. I totally tailor it to who I'm speaking to as well. For example, you just reminded me like when I was in Japan, um, I would always say, yes, I'm from England um, because I felt like that was the way for them to best understand where I was coming from. But if it was someone over here, then you have to think about, well, are they trying to get out the fact that I'm Chinese? Okay, I'll say that. So yeah, I really think it depends on that situation and who you're speaking to and it just goes to show how fluid it is actually the idea of where you're from and what you can say and I think that actually for me goes um, the same concept goes towards the idea of being proud I think um, sometimes I have been really proud of being a Londoner say and sometimes and definitely in most recent times I really haven't <laughs> and um, again I would often feel I've been proud to be British and again in more recent times I'm like I don't know anymore uh, so yeah that's that's how I see it as something ever changing. I think that's really interesting as well though because I although I wouldn't identify as English necessarily I'm so proud to be a Mancunian. I, I will tell people I'm from Manchester till the cows come home and I think that has very much been solidified since the um, the recent well, it wasn't that recent now the terrorist attack a few years ago at the Ariana Grande concert I think after that Manchester showed such solidarity with one another we really rallied together you know it felt like such a community and since then you know I've I've, I've been so proud to tell people I'm from Manchester um, and kind of have that side of me so whilst I don't necessarily identify as being English I do identify as being Mancunian. Izzy what about you because you, you say that you, you're born in Paris so you don't identify as being British but you probably get what, what would you call it? It's not racialized as English, but people assume that you're British. Yeah, I was just going to say when I was in America, before I even told anyone where I was from, people would hear my accent and just immediately go, oh my God, I love your accent. You're from Britain or whatever, um, or from the UK. Are you from England? Um, yeah, I like, they would tell me to say, oh, can you, can you say tea and crumpets in your British accent? Um, 
and they would always like make fun of how Britain tried to um how tried to dominate uh the US and they lost in the war and these were all things that I didn't know because we didn't learn about this in history but yeah so they would always sort of identify me as British um but then I didn't really um like identify as that but then um if if I go to France for example and I'm speaking to someone I will say I'm I live in England I wouldn't necessarily say I'm British um but then I also kind of struggle to say I'm French because it's been such a long time since I've lived there um and then in terms of saying I'm Chinese I think I also kind of feel I haven't lived in China so I, I also struggle to say I'm Chinese but obviously I'm like so influenced by Chinese culture um, and I think with all these different ident identities, I do, I do kind of like wave in and out of feeling proud of, of these different identities. Um, and like, I would like to be able to say I'm proud of being Chinese, but sometimes like there are things like, like misogyny that I've experienced from Chinese people or oh, yeah, like anti-blackness that I've experienced from Chinese people that does, that does sometimes like affect how I feel about um, being proud about being Chinese yeah yeah i i feel you on that uh with regards to um <laughs> with regards to feeling not proud to be chinese because of the anti-blackness misogyny that we experience carly you were going to say something about being scottish i was actually trying to type notes for myself to cover a few <laughs> topics and it accidentally sent to the chat <laughs> but um yeah so you know a lot of this discussion has has been also about whether you feel proud to be or certainly identify at least as English or British personally I because I have been raised uh, and live in a very Scottish environment it's very rarely crossed my mind that I identify as British unless it's on for example my passport um, if it's it's really a nationality for me it's not an identity because Scotland and England are so different in terms of uh, everything essentially mm. and also the way I've been educated as well you know it's very different here in Scotland we learn a different sort of history too I know very little of English history in comparison to how much I know of Scottish history so when we talk about the British identity I I find that quite difficult to relate in terms of uh, a contemporary sense, if that, if that makes sense. So I see the identity of Britain as anything being pre probably the 20th century, talking about, you know, sort of specifically the colonialist history. That's what I identify British identity with. Whereas if I am asked by somebody, um, again, depending on the context of what the question is, is uh, posed to me then I will answer depending on that so usually if someone asks you know where are you from it would be the UK because it's this the sort of main marker of of the country because if I said Scotland some people don't really know where Scotland is and if I'm asked in Scotland where I'm from then I know right away it's more of an ethnicity question personally when I hear that question you know where are you from for me because my parents and especially my dad's side he has a very strong um Hong Kong Chinese identity and I have grown up in such an environment so much of my um, behavior and mannerisms etc is informed by that so I would say perhaps then I identify more Chinese but because I, I didn't grow up in Hong Kong I didn't um, 
I was only there for a couple of months. Um, I haven't lived there really. Then I'm in this very um, perhaps unusual predicament, if you will, and of an upbringing um, that's quite typical um, of a lot of British Chinese of that time. So I would use perhaps that marker. But equally, British Chinese, you know, you have so many different um, backgrounds within that not everyone comes from the same village as my dad does. So then I would use perhaps, again, being more specific about my identity and that actually I have a very Hakka Chinese um, Scottish identity. So I think um, it's so layered with these questions and often it depends on um, on how you relate to the notion of identity for a start and then to add to that who exactly is asking that question. I think that there's a real danger with assuming a singularity of experience that you quite often see with pride, with national pride. And I'm not even talking about the scary flag in your front garden, extremely racist leaning national pride that we unfortunately see a lot of in the UK. But, you know, I I know a lot of people who are proud to be X or Y. um, And I think that it's important to understand that, yes, they might be proud to be Scottish because of a specific type of Scottish experience that they have, because not every Scottish person, you know, grew up with the kind of privileges that meant that they could access you know traditional Scottish music or activities or be able to you know um, unpack the different parts of their heritage there are some people in Scotland who grew up with um, you know with very different experiences um, like Carly's family for example or there are some people who grew up in Scotland who have you know, no social mobility or they don't have the the, the kind of privilege that's afforded to some people. And I, it makes me think of the, I can't remember if it was the 2010 election or the 2015 election, but David Cameron was really pushing this um, message of British values. And it really co- started this conversation about, well, what the fuck are British values? Like they mm. don't, it was just a construct um, based on a very singular experience that yes, some people in Britain specifically often England um it is based on a construct that those people have in a very kind of specific way but it excludes all of these other groups who've been living in the UK for however many decades or who have you know come from a different social class or a different kind of milieu and they don't have those experiences the whole thing was just a kind of political construct and what was really great with that particular incident is that lots of people um, started reclaiming what British values were. And there was a lot of discourse in the South Asian, the British South Asian community about what British values meant to them. And actually that was a narrative that was completely woven in with their family stories of immigration and their kind of food heritage and all of these these different things. And black community was talking about um, their heritage and, you know, their family's histories in the UK and it opened up this really nice kind of counter narrative which you know was actually really nice to see and I think when we look at coming back to city identities you know Charlie Viv you both said that you're really proud to be Mancunian um Amy you're sometimes very proud to be from London sometimes I'm very proud to be a Londoner uh, and one of the things that I like about London is that it is very overall I think it is quite welcoming to other people and that you can call yourself a Londoner without having to have been 
you know, born and bred in London. I'm going to jump in. There's too much London talk here. I'm really proud to be Glaswegian. (laughs) (laughs) The interesting point about being proud of cities is not exactly perhaps what the the city um, historically represents, although that's really important to keep in mind. But, you know, in the in the um, example that Charlie provided for, you know, why she was proud to be from Manchester and to be a Mancunian is because of those values and the community in Manchester uh, that's created that pride and I think likewise for Glasgow I'm proud in that what the the city's people and its inhabitants and also the people who who come to join the city whether they are um, students or if they are uh, overseas residents who have chosen Glasgow to make their home in fact we have a slogan here people make Glasgow it's more about the people rather than the city itself. And I think that's what makes one feel proud of where they come from um, rather than mm. using a place purely or, or a country purely for its historic status. And I think that yeah. feeds into, of course, then you have narratives of nationalism. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Or people holding entire groups of people responsible for the actions of a government which is a very different thing. Yeah, totally. I tend to say Scottish and not the British government. (laughs) (laughs) Just like hearing all of our experiences and just how different we all identify in terms of our ethnicity, our national pride and whatnot. Like it's just, it's just like brings it home that you can't homogenize us as, you know, even Carly and I probably out of this whole group have the, the most similar upbringing in the sense that we're British born Chinese takeaway children and yet even then we identify very differently in so many nuanced ways and it was only since I think starting like connecting with different people that like I have I have stopped doing that I have stopped just like thinking that we're all similar and that we've had similar upbringings to me and that's only through discovering people that I've met online and friends and everything and that's it's a truly wonderful thing truly is funny it's funny how those sometimes those markers can actually like I think invokes some excitement because you know there's that one time when we were like oh Carly someone has dropped into our inbox they're a Glaswegian hacker Chinese and you know we're like oh but at the same time you know the the thinking pops into my head of of course you know that you can still be extremely different people even though you have these identifiers that are somewhat similar and it it is slightly exciting but also you know have to bear that in mind Um, because I remember one time when I was living in Switzerland, one of my friends said to me, oh, Amy, I met someone who's um, British-born Chinese from London. Do you want to meet her? And she's also got a kid. And I was like, "Uh, okay, then. Um, Because obviously I was living in a tiny town in Switzerland, and it would be rare to meet someone who's from the same place as me. So I did end up meeting her, and I was like, we're completely different. (laughs) We (laughs) We do not get on. (laughs) She was a bitch. She was a massive bitch. bitch. (laughs) Let's just say, like, we did like end up friends just because you know different life views. It's fine. It's okay. But I was just like, yeah, even if you're British-born Chinese from London, you're not even going to be the same as me. So I don't even feel like sometimes I know my own sisters. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. That's so true. Looking at my my twins' experience and my bigger sister's experience, so different. They would answer these questions entirely differently. So differently. Yeah, that's such a good point. Amy's prepared something and we don't really know what it is. It's organised fun. It's organised fun. (laughs) 
Okay, so this game is called Who is Most Likely to... Da -da -da -da. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Maya, please. You, I know you can do this. I know you're going to love it. <laughs> She's just like hanging her head in like exasperation. Um, okay. I'm just so... scared. <laughs> Don't be scared. It's all good. Well, Are you going to expose us all? Basically, yeah. <laughs> so the rules of the game are, I'm going to read out the question. And pretty soon after the question, I'll say go. And you have to say the name of the person within BC <gasps> who you think would be most likely to do this thing. No hesitation. Oh, you have to oh so I, I, don't, I don't get to think about it? No. It's oh literally the gosh. first thing that pops in your head. This is going to lead to the dissolution of BC. <laughs> Can we just have it on the record that I was uncomfortable with this? <laughs> from the start this is the no, first thing like... we've seen podcast and the last thank you for being here <laughs> I'm pretty exposed anyway I feel like people know a lot about shit that goes down so I'm like whatever okay cool it's all good man I mean it's all, it's all nice questions okay well I'll start off easy who is most likely to become a millionaire go Viv. Charlie because we're talking about finding a rich person wait who said that who said, who said it so, so people said me and some people said Charlie. I said Charlie. Why I me? said Carly. Because she's going to build a house and it's going to be like Sims <laughs> headquarters. Oh, no, wait, you're talking about Carly, not Charlie. No, I, I said Carly. Carly. Yeah, I think Carly's believable as well. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, Carly's me. always talking about how she wants to like slide into the DMs of somebody really rich. Yeah, so if you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> you're always open. Oh my gosh, yes. Are there any, are there any single people out there? You don't have to be single. As long as just just available, <laughs> as long as that bank account is. I yeah, think for hey, business. So is Carly. <laughs> Forget Can I a strong also put woman. my two pence in here that I'd also like a rich, um, significant other. Okay, were, rich significant know. others, please apply within. I am rich significant others. <laughs> oh my god, new be seen business idea. Dating. Be seen dating. Oh yes, my gosh! Yes. yes. How we much can finally fun. replace the shitty group that's on Facebook? That's yeah, toxic. and the very first question that they get asked is, "But where are you from? And how much do you make?" <laughs> <laughs> Theme rice or noodles? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really important, <laughs> important questions. Izzy, who did you say? Said Viv. Yeah, it's true. She is. She's always, always insisting that we we get. That dollar, dollar. Yeah, you know the value of your your work, babe. You you are, yeah. The value of my work. <laughs> Not wearing um bottoms. No, I am. Oh, you are. I thought yeah. she was just showing us her knickers. <laughs> just for comfy. people listening, Viv just gave us a little dance on the I'm screen. Just them a full dance. You're so lucky. Everyone in yeah. this chat is so lucky. It was pretty special. It was pretty. <laughs> Okay, next one. A good game. Let's take back everything that I said before. Okay. Now it's really going to start. Wait, 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 wait. Before you go, Mayan, can you move your mic slightly away from your mouth? Yeah, sometimes you just get really loud. Yeah, that's better. That's Sorry. Who would have thought Mayan loud? Okay. Who is most likely to die first in a horror movie? Three, two, one, go. Viv. 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 Me, yeah, I thought me as well. To be fair, it's definitely you would voluntarily straight away die during a zombie oh, yeah. apocalypse. Yeah, you would just lie down and give up. I would. Yeah, I, would. I wouldn't even try. She'd be like, I, I want a nap. 
Yeah. <laughs> Did you volunteer yourself, Charlie? Uh, I just don't think I could be asked. It depends yeah. what, what's like coming after me. Like I'd rather just turn into a zombie. Yeah. Izzy, did you decline yeah. to say it? You're so nice. Yeah, I felt too mean. <laughs> I couldn't think of anyone either. Now, I can... I, now I'm rethinking it. I think I'll change my answer to this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> full, full house nearly. That's good. See, I would have said myself, but I figured I'd had to say someone else, so it was going to be you, Viv. thing is, I probably would follow someone who what, who could survive in a zombie apocalypse. I'd follow so my own. Yeah. yeah, but you have to realise that it would probably get to a point where I'd have to cut you. And eat us. What do you mean? No, like, no, as in like you, you'd be you no, like cut you off, like you'd be dead weight. I just oh. have to go on without you. That's why you'd survive <laughs> and we wouldn't. Exactly. If I put my mind to it, I could survive. I could be yeah, pretty I think, nimble. I think Amy would be quite a good shot as well. What, I think to, I die as in to die. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, as in to survive. I think, I think my Anne, right, it's is a, a conventional choice to go with. But then, of yeah. course, knowing like you would cut people off, I think I'd probably go with Amy, <laughs> who's a bit more <laughs> community driven. Oh, you don't know that. You're just you putting do. those words into her mouth. Now she's just playing along with it because she wants to. She wants to win. <laughs> look at that! Look at that little victory dance. Sly Fox. At least I'm honest. Maybe I, I, I think I, where I could survive is like by sliding into people's DMs. You know, opening yeah. up those bridges, getting in us into a fucking epo- commune. Yeah, there'll be some commune somewhere set up. Yeah, I, do you know what? that was me yeah. as well. I would. Too. Yeah. I just didn't want to say it in the podcast, but I guess if you've said it, then yeah. Mm-hmm. We could all use our individual skills, I guess, to get around the old zombies. Yeah, we? I'll write a press yeah. release about it. Don't worry. <laughs> 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 that's a great idea and my aunt would like project lead them away from the human community yeah yeah and izzy could like dance them off dance off <laughs> with the zombies dance battle this is okay. a be seen comic in the making okay okie dokie next one who is most likely to go skinny dipping Three, two, one, go. Carly. Maya. 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 I think Maya. <laughs> I'm so even, surprised. Even, I can't even swim. Carly and my skinny dipping. I mean, you could just stand in the water. Also, why me? Can you not I... swim, Carly? No, I've never done it. Oh, right. Okay, you're not Carly then. She would. She would drown. No, what makes you think me? I just feel like you know new adventures. I know you're about to go off on you know to find new things and discover. Yeah, things. I think skinny dipping is one of those things. No, it's too also, cold. Onsen in Japan is basically yeah. skinny dipping, and mm. I know you want to live there. Has anyone ever done it before? Skinny dipping. Yeah, Who? that's why you we have my own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Too many midges. Wait, have you not done it? I actually don't think I have. You know, no, I I've done the Japanese thing, but I felt really uncomfortable. I was a teenager then. Oh, I thought skinny dipping was just a thing that everyone did. No. no. Like, you know, festivals. Festivals? Parties. Festivals in England. Par- no. <laughs> no, thank you. I, All I no. can think about is like mosquitoes or midgey bites on your nipples and your bum and stuff. <laughs> on your nipples? I also don't like walking barefoot as well. So like, you know, like putting your feet in like sand and grass makes me, knocks me sick. Jelly shoes. <laughs> Jelly shoes. What jelly shoes are for? That's a good look. Naked and then jelly shoes. (laughs) Jelly shoes have made a comeback. Yeah. Have they? Yeah. Yeah. Have they though? Have they? (laughs) No. No. I'd never wear jelly shoes. Anywho, I'm glad we established that. (laughs) 
Any more? Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Means a lot. Some more. So, who is most likely to disappear and emerge on the other side of the world with a new identity? Three, two, one. Go. Charlie or Izzy? Yeah. <laughs> I would say me too. I think about because that all the time to be honest. Charlie, Charlie hates everyone. <laughs> yeah. And Izzy, but Izzy also has all of these like hidden sides to her. Yeah. That every time we have a conversation, yeah. something else comes out. Like, remember that time when she just casually dropped it? She was like, Oh, yeah, I used to be a business analyst. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And, on the and she was like, Yeah, I used to edit a radio show. Yeah, yeah I used to sound stuff. <laughs> Like, I feel like I've given everything. Like you know everything interesting about me. I, there is nothing more. Whereas like Izzy, you just keep giving more and more. Drop them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Breadcrumbing us. She's yeah. probably already her new identity. Like she's actually already escaped from somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We got you sussed. <laughs> I often think about just up and leaving and moving to a completely different country. Not necessarily changing my identity, but like just. Leaving, not telling anyone yeah I would quite yeah I think about that quite a lot which country is top of your yeah. list right now um Aus- Australia if they'd let me in but I don't think they will so who knows maybe we'll have to um think a bit further than that what happens to Vera in this plan with me Vera comes everywhere Vera <laughs> the cat just FYI if anyone doesn't know who Vera is I mean, where have you been? But <laughs> Okay, we've got the last one, the biggest one, the most important one. Okay, brace yourselves. Who is most likely to repeat the same underwear for several days? <laughs> Three, two, Ooh. one, go. Charlie. Biff. I don't. Actually, I'll have you know, I change my underwear like two times a day. Why do I shower you know? twice a day. I shower twice a day. Who showers twice a day here? I do. Friendly, In well, hot season, sometimes three times a day. Ooh, that's a lot of a- water usage there. See, Jamie and I always shower at the same time, so we're saving water. And we've been doing that for like 12 years. So balance. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Such a good idea. No, I shower twice a day, thank you very much. And I fucking change my knickers twice a day as well. So fuck you all. <laughs> Rude. I think people said me as well. And I, um, I Someone mean... said Car- I said Carly. Hang on a uh... second. Has Amy managed to get out of this? Like, yeah. has she managed to get off scot-free? What? Has what? nobody picked Amy for anything except, oh, she'd no. be really good in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rigged. The system is rigged. It is rigged. Basically, I'm the most trustworthy, hygienic member of Be Seen. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm dirty and fucking no use. <laughs> and I'm a social recluse. <laughs> Accurate all round, really. There we go. Yeah. We're still intact. So Be Seen, we're still friends. We're still all good. Yeah. Um, we'll I'd, still, I'd still grab something off the high shelf for you. Oh, thank you, Mayan. <laughs> I, I realised I didn't refute Viv's uh, claim that she thinks I would be the one that wouldn't change my knickers. Actually, I do. Yeah. I have lots and lots of different knickers. Uh, so We're I all think... desperate to prove <laughs> that we all change our knickers. Do you, do, do you turn them inside out, Carly? And upside down? No, that's my brother. <laughs> okay, here's a question. If you had to, like, let's say, for example, you were caught out and you didn't have another pair of knickers, would you... A, just wear the same ones, 
B, turn them inside out, or C, go commando. I'd go inside, inside out. out. Yeah. yeah. Inside yeah. out. Inside you, out. You can also go like inside out, but also the other, like the other way around as well. No, so, ew. Oh. There's the bummy areas in your front bummy area. Well, what do you want to <laughs> that do? How you get, isn't that how you get um, like UTIs and infections well, you and stuff? <gasps> oh my God, it out. makes so much sense. <laughs> you probably turned it inside out. So you might as well turn it upside down as well. But there's different like thicknesses. So the bum bit's like yeah, thicker than the point. front. Well, what are you gosset. gonna do? What are you gonna do? You've got one pair of knickers. Oh, gusset. That's what it's called. Nice you know? knowledge. I think ideally you wanna have more than one pair of knickers so you don't you don't end up in that situation. Izzy, what, I... what did you say? Me. About... Oh, I said <laughs> I would turn them inside out. Yeah. I think yeah. I might, depending on what I was wearing, I might just go without. I think what yeah. I'd actually do is wash them in the sink and then hair dry them and then turn them inside out That's yeah, but you're caught out because where are you where you happen to have your sink your where hair, am i that i all of a sudden dry, need to yeah. change my neck my you're knickers in, you're in the jungle you're in the jungle <laughs> oh <Yeah>. god late <laughs> in yeah, the jungle and you're at somebody else's house this actually and then you're going out for the second part of the date no, you wouldn't fucking oh. do that though. That's so gross. So this happened to me a couple of months ago when I went over to a pal's to stay over and I was packing my bag. A pal's. A pal. Oh, it was a pal. <laughs> <laughs> and then, that's why I'm looking for a rich person to slide into my DMs because it was my friend. So I had actually packed everything but my pants. And when I went over, it was a sleepover. And then I was like, oh shit, I didn't actually have any underwear. But because I was staying over, so that situation led to washing my pants in the bath and then leaving it on the radio to dry and just going commando in the PJs. Oh, I, I, think, I think that's fine. That was lucky, I think, because I was yeah. staying over. But I think if in this situation you're talking about either being in a jungle or being... Oh, I would have borrowed pants off my friend. I was yeah. going to say, would you borrow pants? Like, yeah. you know, borrow toothbrush? Yeah, no. yeah. not toothbrush. No. Yeah. no, 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 no. No, not toothbrush, but if the pants were washed and clean... Sorry, but if you're going to stick your tongue in a stranger's mouth after a date or in a nightclub or whatever, then I don't really see that much of a difference between like borrowing the toothbrush of one of your friends. Yeah, but you don't no. stick I don't know. I just, down I... your mate's mouth a lot of the time, do you? <laughs> That's the difference. I, how, I... But, how, but surely a stranger is more gross. Like there's more yeah, risk of grossness because you don't know. Bit, though, aren't they? You don't care because you're like, you're attracted to them. And you're like, yeah, I want to fucking kiss you. But that is why I use, and um, that's why I'm totally fine with using my husband's toothbrush and that's vice versa. Yeah, 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 that's okay. But I would also, I mean, I wouldn't make a practice of it, but if I really had to, if I had to choose between not brushing my teeth and using my best mate's toothbrush, obviously I would use their toothbrush. I don't yeah, think I would. Just not brushing your teeth is gross. Like use my toothbrush. I would use Has my finger. Ever... That's what you think. <laughs> use yeah, finger. I'd use my finger. Use finger, mouthwash, whatever. Just I oh, wouldn't yeah. use my friend's toothbrush. Again, I emphasize this was a pal of mine, so I don't swirl my my tongue <laughs> in her mouth. Whatever, we don't no, do any no. of that. Not that sort of friend. knickers. Would you borrow her knickers? If they were clean, but you know, I could have just washed mine, so it was fine. Yeah. Well, I went swimming, and then um, you know, you do the knicker trick where you put on your swimming costume take off your knickers I yeah. did that once and I forgot to take off my knickers so then I was like rummaging around in my bag and my swim costume was like where the fuck are my knickers and I looked down and I was like oh I forgot to take them off <laughs> and then I just had to go home with wet knickers on <laughs> oh no has anyone ever done that uh no not that precise situation <laughs> I've left the house before not wearing a skirt on more than oh, one what occasion do you mean? well I'm just wearing knickers no like wearing tights 
Oh, but it's happened to me. It happened. It's happened to me twice. Like I, um, do you remember those like kind of bodycon skirts? I used oh, to wear yeah. those all the time. So and, and like they're so they're so they're really thin oh, yeah. and they're really form fitting. Mm. So if you're just wearing thick tights, you can kind of understand how you would just forget that you weren't wearing it. And I, was, I was late for work. I was rushing, pulled on my tights, or maybe it was even leggings, um, and mm. then just rush, rushed out of the house because I was going to miss my bus. And then I got halfway down the street and realised I wasn't wearing a skirt. Luckily, I had time to go back and put on a skirt. But it happened to me another time when I was working in an office in London. <laughs> and I grabbed what I thought was a dress off the laundry pile and put it on, put on some tights, put on like nice shoes. It was like a corporate office, put my coat on, get to the office, which is like, you know, central London. And I get there and t- take my coat off and then realize that I'm just wearing a top. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, <laughs> mortified. So I had to spend the entire morning like wearing my coat. And it was like, I don't know, May or something. And mm. the office manager was like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm just really cold. So he <laughs> brought me a massive heater and turned it on like full blast. <laughs> and I was so hot. And I had to sit there wearing my coat and everyone was like, why are you wearing your coat? And then I had to leg it to H&M or whatever, like high street shop. In, but it, it was in like fucking Knightsbridge or something. So I was like <laughs> rushing down the high street looking for like a shop where I could buy something that wasn't going to cost me a ridiculous amount of money just to cover up my bot bot. <laughs> it happens more than you think. It's like my worst nightmare. My sister just did something similar. Actually, on the same holiday where I did the knicker thing. And um, she brought this boob tube on holiday with her. <laughs> she put it on and then she noticed a hole sticking out of the boot. She was like, they're my dad's boxes. <laughs> my dad's boxes as a boob tube the whole holiday. <laughs> and it was oh a little like God. tight black boxes. <laughs> t- tidy whities <laughs> Your sister's going to love you for that, Viv. You're welcome. <laughs> we don't know which one it is. We don't know which one it is. Which one right. was it? Can't say. Can't say. Oh, but so much, man. That was brilliant. Any, any parting words or anything from anyone? Short parting words. Yes, Charlie. This is a great insight into what our WhatsApp group is like. <laughs> yeah. Chaotic, so serious, bants. pants. Pants, pants, yeah. food. Pants. Um, I think this is only just the slight surface. There's a yeah. lot. More. I feel like we've held back. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we could have talked talked so much more. Still laughing at Viv while Cal Cal is having this really like impassioned speech. Viv just lifting up a corn in the corner, just <laughs> gnawing on it. Fully eaten. <laughs> Some parting words of wisdom for the listeners: Always pack a spare pair of pants. Mm-hmm. And by pants, I mean knickers and toothbrush. Yeah. If you're at my aunt's house, hide hide your toothbrush. Yeah. Yeah. Or if my aunt comes to visit you, hide your toothbrush. And your pants. My aunt, if my aunt comes to visit you, hide. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to stress. Especially Charlie. I'm not about using everyone's toothbrush. (laughs) Best mate, husband, very different. Can I just say if anyone ever comes anywhere near my toothbrush. We are not friends anymore. Oh shit! Okay. Just to make that really, really crystal clear, I'm really putting my challenge? boundaries out there. I just don't understand why so you'd be okay with like not you specifically, but like one would be okay with having like you know um, a potentially like a questionable dick in them. 
but not using their best mate's toothbrush. Did you say not me specifically? Well, does a, does a toothbrush so feel good compared to a questionable dick? Dick feels good. Does a toothbrush feel good in your vagina? Answer me that. No, but having clean teeth feels amazing. I agree with that. Are you putting teeth? There's nothing worse than furry teeth, you know, and you mm. try to do it, do it with your finger and it just hasn't worked. And then afterwards, you just feel like you've got fuzz all over your teeth. But my question is, how long are you going for without brushing your teeth? Because if it's just like one period like a morning i can wait till the evening to brush my teeth i'm not that desperate to brush my teeth that i have to use someone else's teeth i think it depends on what you've been doing because a lot of the time when you're yeah but a lot of the time when you're caught out it's like if you're at someone's house or maybe you've been on a night out or something where you like i don't know where you just really need to brush your teeth do you ever get that when you're just like i need to brush my teeth now yeah there was one time when i stayed at my sister's house when she lived in london it was literally the day before the marathon and I, we had the same toothbrush, basically, a really basic manual toothbrush because we were in like the olden ages or whatever. Um, and I accidentally used her toothbrush. And when I found out, it freaked me out so much. And it was all I could think about all day. The fact I'd used her toothbrush. And she's so my sister. Times. Me and my I sister used to do that all the time. And we'd eat, we'd eat, we'd uh, use each other. And she'd be like, Viv, have you been using this purple one? I'd be like, no, that's mine. And we've been using the same toothbrush for months. Oh. <laughs> See, to get rid of that fuzziness, just eat or drink lots of things. Just like, you know, use your teeth. Hmm. I don't that <laughs> think that's how it works. <laughs> there are any dentists listening, if you could please confirm, that'd be great. Be dentist. Yeah, right. Well, Let's say goodbye to the listeners. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Be Seen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Be Seen Beauty. Thank you. Tune in next time for more. <laughs>